Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night. This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Because, Jay, you're a full-grown man, and I've noticed, like, through your social media, you've been in the gym, bro. I- I've seen it. It is May 18, 2016. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J. Cat Morris. Um, another big show for you. Um, my guest any minute will be calling in, and uh, that is Kyle the Beast. And, uh, you know, want to, you know, talk to that guy, find out a little bit more about, you know, what, what goes on with the Beast over there. Because, um, you know, he's doing big things. He's an up-and-coming guy who's really, you know, you know, made a big name for himself over the past year, especially. And um, I think I actually have him on the line now. My guest at this time is the GCW champion, Kyle the Beast. How's it going, man? How you doing tonight? Good, good, man. How are you? 
Doing great, man. Looking forward to an awesome weekend with GCW in uh, upstate New York. So definitely looking forward to a great weekend. Awesome, man. Um, how'd you first get into wrestling as a kid? Uh, to be honest, uh, early nineties. I remember glimpses here and there, but uh, the Austin versus uh Bret Hart match that really was captivating and uh, really changed my way into wrestling. That match right there. Also had brothers, older brothers in the business too. Well, that was an easy segue into everything. So, sort of just snowballed from there. Who are your guys? Like, who are your favorite guys? Oh, growing up. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite people to watch are Mr. Perfect, uh, Owen Hart, and uh, I mean, people might hate on it, but I like I like some watching Matthew wrestle. But even though he's a little bit of a newer newer age, so. Mhm. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, you know, watching the guys you were watching, and you know, coming up watching wrestling. What? At what point did it dawn on you wanted to be a wrestler? Um. At first, it became just uh, it was just a hobby. You know, it was like almost like oh my my brother was in the service, so I'm going in the service kind of thing. Like that that wasn't wrestling. Oh, my brother's wrestling, so that's what I want to do. I want to wrestle too, and. uh it just really became a hobby at first, and then when I noticed that I was able to do it and perform pretty well and everybody else noticed it and kept giving me positive encouragement, criticism, and everything like that, I just, you know, started taking it more seriously. Cool. Um, how did you get into training? Where did you go to train and, and whatnot? Uh, I, I first started training at uh, ECPW. It's a school up in Lake Hiawatha, New Jersey. I started training there in 2004. Okay. Um, you know, um, was there anything that led you to that, that training facility in, in specific? Uh, mainly, mainly my brothers. They were, they were, uh, they used, my one brother used to train at, uh, JAPW in, uh, Bayonne. And then he started going to ECPW. So that's, I, I guess around the time I started coming in and started going with him. Oh, okay. Um, was it, I mean, because you had a brother that did it, did you kind of know what to expect or did it catch you by surprise at all? Definitely caught me by surprise. You know, you go with some, go in with some intention of expecting, you know, something and, oh, this might not hurt or this is a little more fake or, or staged, everybody says, but no, it's, it's real. And uh, definitely was not expecting what I expected on my first couple of weeks. How long did it take you to break in just that first couple of weeks before you really got the hang of, you know, what it was going to be like and, you know, yeah, going I mean, forward? The, the first the first month or two was probably the worst of training, you know, getting used to the ropes, everything, you know, building a pace with it, with running and everything like that. So, yeah, yeah definitely, I would say about two or three months. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, too, you know, getting into the business, they take a lot of those small things for granted, just, you know, the ropes and, you know, footwork and all of that stuff. You know, what is yeah. what really goes into it as far as training? What's that, footwork and everything like that and training? Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, the only thing you keep doing is repetitiveness, you know, just keep going at it and at it, drilling in your head. It's like, uh, it's like running a play you'll never forget or something like that. You just got to keep children in your head. Yeah. Um, so did you see, like, a lot of people who were, ma- you know, not making it within there? Like, how many of your class actually came out and they're still wrestling? Um, 
there was a couple people in my class that still uh, wrestle. Um, one of them, I mean, not in my class, but I mean, when I was training younger, uh, the superstar John Rome was one of the guys there. He wrestles with us, the UW Elite, the UW Elite champion, uh, Hedges. Also, um, Eric Alvarado, he's around too, some, sometimes here and there. And uh, I used to actually train with uh, Bull James, uh, James Smith at ECPW when when he was coming up too. Okay. Um, so how do you come up with, um, you know, a persona, like your own image and whatnot for wrestling? Um, at first, when I was, when I first came to the business, my first persona was Kyle Smiley, and I was a very fat, jolly, fun-loving comedy slash act into wrestling. And then um, I lost a lot of weight. And then uh, going to the Persona of the Beast was just a nickname at first, and then I just went full gung-ho with it. And the more I kept doing it, the more uh, I've got into the character and everything like that. So this gets better and better every time I do it, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, when you when you come up, you watch wrestling, you, you know, you find your favorite guys and what you like. And how do you figure out exactly what you're going to do, what's going to be in your in-ring arsenal when you you know you go out there and perform? Um, basically what you feel comfortable with, what you're most confident with, what you can execute the best, you know, with taking your opponent down or something like that. That's what I look for, you know, execution and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so when was it that you got hooked up with JCW and you got into that? Um, well, uh, JCW was like fizzled off for a little while, but it started coming back. And uh, around that time, I was working for NWS, which is run by Dapper. I don't know if you ever, anybody, you've heard of him, but uh, yeah. he ran NWS, and that slowly turned into JD Smoothie's company, FWF, Functified Wrestling Federation, where uh, Danny DeMonto started um, helping out, training, and everything like that. Kevin Knight was there also, too. And then uh, from there, it just happened where Ricky, o, I guess, got together with DeMonto or vice versa or whatever. And uh, DeMonto just basically t- said, you got to use Kyle. And uh, from there, I've been there for a while now. So, yeah. All right. Um, now, you, you know, you formed this tag team with, with Monster Mac. Monster Mac was, you know, obviously in the legendary hit squad. And, you know, he mm-hmm. was, um, you know, doing a lot of things over the years, heavy hitters. And, um you know, how did that whole thing come about where you teamed up with Monsonai? Well, I don't think it was really ever a plan to happen. And then, because uh, at first, before we started tagging, me and Monsonai had a series of matches where uh, we both beat the hell out of each other twice. And then the third one, I, I had, I think I had the one up on him. And then it was out of mutual respect that uh, we started teaming and put our monstrous powers together and start destroying the tag team division in GCW. Um, did you know about, you know, Monster Mac beforehand? Had you watched a lot of indies going into, you know, training and all that? Um, when I first started, I really didn't. And then as I became more intrigued and more, uh, more w- wanting to learn more and everything like that, I started watching more. I definitely know, I know what Monster Mac is. I've seen him for a while now, so yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, what was it like getting into a tag? Obviously, you know, you became familiar with them battling in the ring and everything. But, you know, what was it like, you know, picking up with a guy who was so, you know, well-versed in tag team wrestling and everything? Uh, it was it was great. I mean, it was, tag team wrestling is something I always wanted to work on. And uh, when I had a chance to work on it, when DeMonto told me that I had a chance to work on tag team wrestling, I never expected to be paired up with someone with such uh, – such great caliber as uh, Steve Montemac, so it was definitely a privilege, and I enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I noticed, too, you wrestled barefoot. How, how did you, um, you know, come up with that idea, and, you know, does that, that hold you back at all in the ring? Uh, I Currently, I mean, I was wrestling barefoot. I currently don't wrestle barefoot anymore, but uh, okay. when I was wrestling barefoot, I wanted to add it to the character as far as being a beast and everything like that. But it also added to uh, lines of damages to my feet where it wouldn't pay off in the long run. So thinking in the long run, had to put those boots on and protect my feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's just. I mean, I mean like being, guys... as far as as far as limitations for when I was barefoot, I I could do just about almost everything that I wasn't able to do with boots. So. Yeah, I mean, I would just worry about, you know, stubbing your toe or anything. I mean, you, you know, oh, you run around. Right. And... Your heels get, you start feeling it on your heels after a little while, so. Yeah, that, that's got to be rough. Um, So, um, you know, after a while at JCW, um, last year, they transitioned and, um, you know, changed over to GCW and became more, I guess, a less family-friendly, you know, more hard-hitting, competitive indie company. Um, they still, you know, do family-friendly shows, but they kind of, you know, changed their image. Um, what was that transition like for you, difference in crowd or any of that? Um, it's, it wasn't, I think, a big uh, transition. I think uh, it might get that stigma as far as being associated with uh, the Nick Gage, you know, the invitation and everything like that, maybe being more of a, a violent, more hard-hitting side, but I think GCW is a pretty family-friendly show. I mean, don't get me wrong, the talent on there are definitely nothing less than hard-hitting. So, but I think it's a pretty family show. Mm. Now, um, you know, speaking of Nick Gage, you competed in the first match of Nick Gage being, you know, coming out of prison. Five years in prison, he comes out <laughs> first. First match is, you know, a, a tag team match, first round of the tournament. And, um, I mean, the place was on fire. I mean, what was it like, you know, going into that match, knowing a guy's been, you know, in prison for five years, this is his first shot in, and, and the crowd is ready for nothing but that? Uh, I, it, like you said, five years being in prison in your first wrestling match, you can only imagine what to expect from somebody. You try and stay as far back as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, working with him was great. Yeah, and like you said, being five years in five years, that's uh, like you said, you could definitely feel like wrestling him. He's been away for a while, so you definitely saw every shot and everything like that. There was actually uh, actually one moment in that match where I see Nick rock Mac with a forearm to the face, and Mac just drops, and I was like, "Oh, sweetie, just knocked him an awesome elbow," and he goes to pick him up, goes to 
go for a pile driver, and Mac is just not getting up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, oh, shit. He just really knocked him the fuck out. He knocked him loopy. (laughs) I mean, Mac Mac was fine and all together at the end. But, uh, yeah, you you definitely tell he was in for a little while and was not in the ring for a little while. As far as letting some animosity out. And you have to expect that 100%. Sure. Uh, you know, going into that, you know, I, I don't know how you work it out in the back. Like, look, you know, a guy's been away in prison for five years. He's, he's going to hit the ring and swing a chair at your head. I mean, it, what? <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you sign up for that? Well, I mean, thank God I didn't sign up for that. And they they uh, signed up Brandon Kirk for that. Uh, but yeah, he probably deserves right. to get Molly whopped in the head. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you you guys go over them, you know, they had the, you know, thing Lucky loses and um, you know, Nick Gage loses his first match back. The crowd's got to be crazy, you know, non-supportive of you guys going on. You know, yeah, what's it like? You know, going through that and you know, getting like the ultimate heel rub at that point. <laughs> We're it, it was it was, you knew exactly what to expect, especially after. After uh, coming out and getting booed coming up, because, I mean, obviously Nick Cage has been away for five years, and all the CDW heads were in there, and they wanted to see him. So, yeah, we're definitely heels in that that standpoint right there. Yeah. Um, Now, how do you recover going forward? I I think you guys went to the finals up against uh, EYFDO. And, you know, yeah, but, I, I know those guys tear it up. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you recovered and, and put on a great show, but, how do you recover from that? Does the next round just go, you know, you know, the crowd's dead? Like, how, how do you go forward? Well, the next the next round following that, we wrestled the uh, Headhunters, and that turned into a little hardcore brawlish a little bit, and then that was a little more intense. I mean, as far as, like, weapons goes in the Nick Gage match, Nick Gage match was very, very, very hard-hitting, so. But, yeah, we wrestled sure. the Headhunters, and uh, that was a little brutal and rough. And then recovering going to, going to that was definitely uh, catch your breath, tape up real tight, and uh, hope your partner can have your back at any time, you know, going into these rough fields. They're really great teams together, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, and you guys went over and won that tournament, right? That's correct, yep. Yeah, nice. Um, so, you know, teaming up um, with Montsamac, you guys have, You've had a lot of opportunities and, you know, went up against a lot of guys, one of those being the Steiner brothers. Uh, what is it like yeah. getting in with the Steiner brothers? Legendary tag team, one of the best. Huh? 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 You said the Steiner yeah. brothers? <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, getting in the Steiner brothers is, uh, was great. I mean, uh, Monster Mac was definitely more uh, – more into his moment than me because he looked up to them more than I do, I, I would say, as, as far as being a tag team specialist his whole life. Definitely uh-huh. going going into the ring with them was definitely a very, very, very surreal moment. <laughs> yeah. Was it, um, I, you know, I, I think I've seen them up against, um, I don't know who I saw them up against. I want to say Homicide and Kingston possibly. At some point or another, I thought that that was a match I might have saw, but 
it, they didn't seem to really give those guys much. I mean, indie superstars, you know, guys that were tearing it up with everybody. They seemed to, you know, kind of fall flat on them and just, yeah, you know, more or less squash them. How did it go down with you guys? Uh, it went pretty swimmingly. I mean, I felt it was pretty even as far as heat and everything like that. So, yeah, and they they seemed in a pretty good mood. I actually saw Scott smile, so that's always a good thing. So, yeah, I think it went pretty well. Cool, cool. Um, now, you know, GCW has done a lot of things and hit a lot of different venues that are maybe, you know, not – not as normal for a wrestling company to do. They've done food truck festivals and, you know, rock carnivals and, and great adventure. You know, what are those different venues like for you and, you know, work in those different type of atmospheres? It's great. I mean, you brought up uh, Six Flags. Six Flags was something, you know, this Batman stunt show was something I went to when I was a kid. So right. being, on the other, being on the other side, being the performance was obviously like a you know, a pretty big deal, you know, seeing yourself, the show in that theater, you know, was a great moment. So uh, I definitely privileged in that aspect where I get to work in these venues and everything like that. Yeah. And Joey was saying, uh, he was on the show and he was saying it was a little bit hard of a venue to work. There's something, you know, as far as the tickets went, they charge the season ticket holders extra or something along those lines. Um, what was your thoughts on, you know, how everything went down with Six Flags? I hear, you know, you have plans to go back there. But, um, you know, yeah, what was your thoughts I mean, on the crowd? I guess they're a corporate company, I would assume. And uh, it was hard even to, like, you know, sell some gimmicks or something like that. We couldn't even do that. It was a little rough, but, I mean, to, like I said, the rest of a venue like that and have work on that show with some of the names that were on there, well, I mean, I was privileged to be on that show, so. Yeah, um, and then you know the the you know the rock festivals and those type of things like what um, that's got to be a whole different feel as far as the crowd goes and you know people's energy level and the amount of people that are there. Um, you know what are those type of things like? The rock carnival is awesome. I like the rock carnivals because it's like your your favorite indie crowd a fan, and but every one of them is the same person, so it's it's great. Everyone everyone loves everything. People who don't see wrestling all the time, so they're surprised and everything like that. So it's great. Yeah. And you've worked in a lot of different scenarios and different places and, you know, venues. What's your favorite place to work thus far? I, I love the, the Game Changer Arena and how I think it's small. It's a, small, a little bit of a smaller venue, but it's has nice lighting. It's a great spot and everything like that. I like that. But I, as far as CCW goes, that's the best one I like. Yeah. Um, now I haven't been there before, and uh, you know I'm, I know you're not part of this tournament or anything like that. But you know they got the the big Zandig tournament of survival coming up, and you know they got they got hundreds and hundreds of light tubes planned, and this is a small building. Um, how do you, how do you think that's going to go down? I think it'll, I have no doubt in mind that it'll go perfectly great and perfectly fine. GCW uh, awesome. works magic, so I'm I'm I have no doubt it'll go perfect. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely looking forward to it. I'm gonna be there, but uh, yeah, man, it's yeah, def- one of those things. Like, awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, you know, speaking of death match tournaments, you're not a death match guy, and you go into the Nick Gage Invitational, which ended up being Nick Gageless. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
what uh you know what was your thoughts going into that um was that something you always wanted to do? Was it kind of spur of the moment? Like, it was you know, definitely something I always, definitely something I always wanted to do. Definitely always something I wanted to experience. Definitely nervous and frightened the whole time. You know, I did like at first I did not know what to expect, and then seeing Louis come back after that little opening with um, uh, what's his name? Who do you open up with? Nate. Uh, you open up with Nate. Yeah, Nate. And Adrian, coming back yep. after that. Uh, I don't know. I was just did not know what to expect. So, but uh, once I got in there, felt it out. It was just go time, and I I loved it. It was awesome. So, and especially now, with the, mean, crowd, it, the crowd and everything was great. Now you know you said you said something you always wanted to experience too. It, have you got that out of your system, or is that something that you you know looking in the future at or something? I mean. I'm definitely not opposed to doing something like that again if it ever comes down the line or if the time is right or if the person I'm wrestling is right. I would definitely do it again, absolutely. All right. Well, so, you know, be careful because, you know, they get a cancellation on that uh, tournament survival over there. <laughs> you already said you're going to be there. so. That's... I'll have my stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, um, you know, going into that um, – was there anything you did differently to prepare, you know, any, you know, death matches that you watched, just trying to psych yourself up to it, or you just kind of go in and take it as it came? Um, I really just took it as it came. I, I was told what I was given to use and give them a little advice how to use it and how to take it out if it gets stuck in you, and I just went with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've obviously seen lot of, death matches and stuff like that, but nothing I really saw in my brain that stuck out. Yeah. Have you um Have you watched a lot of death matches? Not Not really, to be honest. No. Okay. Just wondering if you had any favorites or anything that stuck out to you. Um. I know. I know that Court Masada match was awesome. Yeah. That night. Yeah. Crazy. That match was great. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, yeah, you've had a lot of matches with Joey Janela. I've had a lot of people say that, you know, you two have really some serious chemistry in the ring. Um, How long have you guys been, you know, squaring off? And, you know, what's your history like with Joey? Um, I mean, me and Joey probably wrestled as far as back as six years ago. Um, Joey's probably one of my – definitely one of my favorite people to get in the ring with. Like you said, we have great chemistry working together. And uh, every time we go out there, we go 100, so they say, and uh, literally tear the roof off. And I, I work with him is great. Yeah. Um, if you had to make like a, you know, a demo tape or something, what would be the the five matches you put on that? Who? I would definitely uh, toss on there. Um, me and Mac versus the Steiners. I thought that was a good match. I really enjoyed that. Uh, me and Mac versus uh, EYFBO from the Rock Carnival in uh, Clark. Uh, I just had a great match uh, two Saturdays ago with Nico Sozio, which I think was a really, really good match. Um me versus Tremont from Barnegat, maybe from like two years ago, 
was another great match that I've had. I mean, these are – I'm just snowballing off the top of my head right here. Definitely I'm missing right. something. But, uh, and uh, I had a cage match a long time ago, back in 2012, in the versus uh, Cypress VWA Lee, which was a pretty good match that I enjoyed a lot too. Yeah. Um, what um you know what are some some goals that you have in wrestling? Like what are you what are you looking to do? Some people it's Japan, you know, a lot of people WWE of course, but I mean what what's your main focus? I mean, my main focus is obviously to get TV ready. Um, obviously, sure. like you said, everyone's goal is to get somewhere, get to Japan or whatever. WWE is obviously ideal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would like mainly get contracted somewhere. That would be definitely next in line for, for me as far as what I look for. Um, they, or they or, brought you or into... working new places to, you know, bigger sure. name new places. They brought you into Dojo Wars a couple times. Um, what do you think it is? Why haven't they brought you up to CZW on the, on the main shows? I have no clue to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it could be my my like my likelihood of uh, not not returning myself to Dojo Wars, not telling showing them that I don't show interest. Maybe they don't see enough interest in my work ethic or something like that. But uh, I mean, CCW is always somewhere I always wanted to work, and I would love to work for them. But that just never happened yet. Yeah, um, you know what do you what do you got upcoming? I know you got tons of stuff going on. Um, you're gonna be in Barnegat in the end of June, I think it is. I'm gonna definitely be there. That's like right up yep. the road for me. Yep. Uh, well, uh, this weekend is that um, Rock Carnival in Upstate New York. GCW invades and takes over. Uh, two nights of wrestling, and then uh, following week after that. May 28th, I'll uh, be back down south in Paulsboro for the World Famous Monster Factory. And um, in a uh, six-man tag monster ball match, it's going to be me and the Beast Cartel. With, uh, that includes myself, uh, Nick Camarado, and Fala Ba. We'll be uh, going against Matthew Riddle, the Monster Factory champion, uh, Punisher Martinez, and the Monster Abyss. Nice. And then uh, after that, we go into uh, GCW in, uh, I think it's Ridgewood, Ridgewood, which is up north, followed by uh, UW Elite in South River, New Jersey, where I uh, go for a normal contendership for their uh, championship belt, uh, championship title. And then uh, that leads right to the Tournament of uh, Survival going in uh, June 5th, man. That's the next, yeah. uh, two weeks for me. Two yeah, three that's, weeks. that's a pretty busy schedule. Yeah, trying to stay busy, you know. Yeah, trying to stay busy. Yeah, man. Um, do you have any dream matches, you know, guys that you really, really want to work? Because, I mean, you know, in a short amount of time, I mean, you've really crossed a lot of names off that list. Um. One one of the names that really comes to my mind right away is uh, Monster Max partner Danny Moff. I would love to get a chance to wrestle him. Uh, definitely him. Um, another one would be uh, I've I never got a chance to get in with him singles, and I think I'm going to get the chance to get in with him singles soon. And that's Joe Gacy, Chainsaw Joe Gacy. Definitely want to get nice. uh, 
toe to toe with him too. And I've never, I've had the opportunity to wrestle singles, but something happened and I was not able to show up. So definitely want to make that. Yeah. Um, if you do, you know, get to the TV product, um, you know, are there any guys up there that are more or less like your top, your top dream matches? As far as uh, TV product, you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I think me versus Mojo would be a sick ass match. I don't know if I'd be able to withstand it, but uh, yeah. I think that would be a brutal fucking match. Sorry for my language, my bad. But uh, nah, yeah, I think that would nah, be a brutal good. match. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, you know, is there anything else you want to put out there? Anything else you want to touch? Uh, um, if you don't mind me plugging some of my uh, accounts, uh, do want yeah, whatever you want, man. On Instagram, it's uh, Kyle the Beast Winant, W-I-N-A-N-T. That's at Instagram.com. Follow me on Facebook, backslash, uh, Facebook.com, backslash Kyle, W-I-N-A-N-T, Winant. And you can follow me on Twitter. It's KT Beast 526, uh, 526 at Twitter.com. Yeah, you can always catch up. I've just got a new T-shirt, so... Try and get your Beast T-shirt as soon as possible, and I have new Beast buddies coming in too. So, be on the lookout. Yeah, good shit, man. Well, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Definitely like to have you back on in the future, and you know, just keep tearing it up out there. I know they're booking you heavy, so you're gonna have lots of opportunities to, you know, blow it up all over the Indies. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate your uh, your gracious pleasure. I mean, you're telling me to. Tear it up and everything like that because uh, that's what I plan on doing and uh, definitely need as much support as I definitely can get. Excellent, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, sir. Yep. There you go. There's Kyle the Beast, man. Uh, you know he's he's tearing it up out there. He's making a name for himself. As you, you know, you heard Joey putting him over on the show every time. You know, you get a lot of these indie guys. You start asking about underrated guys. Kyle's, Kyle's one of those names that comes up, you know, quite often. So, um, yeah, you're, you're going to hear a lot of him over the years. And, um, you know, take a break, come back, and review the uh, CZW show that they had over the past weekend. All right. I'll be back. What, what? Got here. We represent all boroughs. MOP to the fullest. Yeah, what about now? What about now? now? 75, raised on a strip, called hand, brother, hand, with guns pop, the cops get killed. This is the place for paranoia, this for your niggas, cats, cases, for trial, slash their lawyers, we losing it. Four fives and nines, we be moving with. Caught up in the things that the street gang confuse you with. We proving it, let it be known this retaliation. Hold it, it's on. That rap nigga, boss a cat nigga, black nigga, open up your back nigga. And I'm the first dog You know the M.O.P. status In the history of crime and rap We talking about it Words to the mommy what? Any fool tummy Get hit with the lime uh, Fuck the me on it the songs on blaze Everybody post up next to the stage You're all welcome to hell's world way First family down Jersey family, we're back, soldier. 
Hunter, and we have swam through the Brownsville sewers, the last on the line of our kind. Crime doers, Berkowitz, Marstad. Fire from my hammer like I was in Gulf Town. Crucify me, but don't deny me. Oh, get slick, bitch, you couldn't slip nothing by me. Try me, and I'll pop shots like I'm supposed to. I'm from the field with a covers of unnoticeable. I noticed a few niggas were in my head. Use my smoke and my secret on a fire and land. Dropping the body, I'm usually nervous, so I'm flinching when I enter the party. The Brownsville next time. That bullshit. That's when you thought it was safe. I'm flipping, uh, hit him with yours. In the whole season, and boom, you know, at home, 
the the Thunder came in and put them down game one. So, you know, this this is going to be a war. Thing is, is this is going to be a war, and I really, really think that LeBron is probably going to sweep on the other side and be waiting in the finals for these guys. You know, whoever whoever comes out of this. It's going to be crazy because I really do think um, now that I'm looking at it, initially I thought, you know, no chance that the Golden State Warriors don't, uh, you know, go on to the finals. But when you really look at it, man, the fucking uh, the Thunder last last series, they were I think the first game Tim Duncan was ever held scoreless in a playoff game, and I understand he's down you know towards the end of his career, but in the same token, he plays that fundamental ball that just can't be fucking stopped, man. He knows, I mean, he knows how to fucking create offense, and uh, the fucking dude was held scoreless. So I mean, this team knows how to shut somebody down. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, they're going to give this fucking team a battle. So when it comes down to it, the, the Warriors might limp into the finals, you know, if they get past these guys. Um, I definitely think it's bronze year to take that uh, that title to Cleveland. Um, damn near did it last year. You know, went into the finals with a really banged-up team. Didn't have any real second go-to guys. Everyone was hurt and everything, and he still carried that team to a competitive series. You know, they ended up getting outclassed by the, you know, the Warriors were just too good. Um, but, yeah, um, the other thing is, um, you know, obviously the Heat lost to send the Raptors to, you know, be playing LeBron to begin with. Um, man, I, you know, either way you look at it, I'm proud of my Heat because Chris Bosh, when LeBron left, Chris Bosh, stepped up as if he was going to be the new leader of the team. He was going to take way more of a leadership role than he did, you know, play the supporting role when LeBron was there. And, you know, he started having health problems after that last year. Fucking blood clot in his lungs. You know, life-threatening shit. Not even like, oh, this fucking dude, you know, uh, tore, tore this or that. Like, blood clot in your lung. That's some old crazy shit. So he thought he was past it, you know, this year came back, had some more health problems, and he goes out, you know, indefinitely. And they, they're they in the playoffs with no fucking Chris Bosh. And the team came around and were competitive enough to go out there and still make an impact and, you know, and, and do what they did, man. And they went to a game seven with the fucking Raptors. They were that close, and they came out flat. They came out flat in game seven, and they didn't perform up to their standards. Um, but, again, you know, Chris Bosch's team, we're still playing on another level where, um, you know, they were a competitive playoff team. They weren't, you know, they didn't barely scrape through the playoffs. They did pretty fucking well for themselves, considering a major star was, was not on their team throughout the playoffs. So, you know, I'm proud of them. And, you know, they come back next year, you know, healthy. If Bosch is able to get back in there and do the thing, it's going to be real, man. And, you know, they'll have some opportunities to move some guys around and shit. I didn't even know because I really wasn't watching uh, I wasn't watching NBA this year really heavy at all, um, very barely at all. Um, I don't know, man. If I'm able to get, like, a good uh, football season going, and come off it with some kind of positive attitude, but fucking Niners season last season just deflated me, man. I, I came out of that not giving a fuck about sports, you know, like just waiting on this, uh, the next football season to show up for us to try to get fucked back, you know. And uh, so I just – I was just laying low on the whole shit. Just didn't have it in me to, to really, you know, 
go too crazy watching basketball and stuff. And, you know, over the years, basketball's got tough for me to watch, too, because this is, like, you know, fucking crazy amount of games. So, it's like second half of the season into the playoffs is really where it starts counting. I mean, you get that, oh, the Knicks, the Knicks beat this team, and, like, yeah, but the Knicks don't make the fucking playoffs. So, who gives a fuck if they beat them, you know, in the beginning or first half or even the second half of the season? A lot of times, losses are just, they don't really fucking matter because there's so many games. Um, yeah, you get enough wins, those, however many losses you got, it doesn't really matter who the fuck those teams were. If they don't beat you in a seven-game series, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's just completely insignificant. So, uh, basketball, you know, has become, I, I'm definitely, you know, a football fan first. But, um, anyway, I, um, you know, I, I didn't even know we had fucking, uh, what was it, Stottlemyre. I didn't even know we had Stoudemire, and then I'm watching the fucking playoffs, and he did the same amount of work in those games as I did. He had a fucking jersey on like I did, and he was standing there watching the fucking team like I was. So I guess they signed him to just spectate on the side. I don't know if he was hurt. He just wanted to have a jersey on. That's some more wild shit, but if that's at the level of his career he's at, man, he was he was a fucking animal when he was with um with Phoenix. When he was with the fucking Suns, man, he was a killer. He went to New York, and man, that, that shit is no good. You can't go to New York, man. It's it's not good to be a Nick. You show up there, and, and you're going to be garbage, and that's what happened. And now this dude is just invaluable. He's, he's just not worth shit. And, um, you know, th- th- that's what happens. But whatever the fuck they're paying them, they, they could uh, put that somewhere else, and I'm sure, uh, you know, benefit from it, so. Uh, yeah, like you say, looking forward to next year. Fucking definitely rooting for LeBron to fucking take the title home, shut half these motherfuckers up for at least 10 minutes. You know, that's all it's going to take, and they'll be back on their bullshit saying the refs handed it to LeBron or LeBron this or LeBron that all on his nutsack. And, I mean, that's what that's what goes on with the shit. But I, I'm hoping he brings the fucking title home. And, and right now they're just fucking killing it. They're seemingly unstoppable while the quote-unquote unstoppable warriors are over here battling the fucking thunder. So, you know, LeBron's faced the fucking thunder before in the finals, and he's faced the uh, the warriors before in the finals. So, now nah, it should be interesting. It should be real interesting. Um, But, yeah, man, Um, what else? Oh, fucking, I, oh, I watched Deadpool last night. I, I really liked that movie. I thought it was good. I don't watch many movies, and... um. I'm trying to trying to you know get myself up to actually watching more because there's a bunch of shit that I want to see. I have shit in my house that I want to see and just haven't. So um you know going to try to build myself up to some more of that. I uh, but I watched Deadpool and I really liked it. I'm not a comic book guy or any of that shit. I'm you know trying to build myself up to watching that whole fucking crazy Marvel series that I realized it out about I haven't seen an Iron Man movie. I haven't seen anything like that. I saw everything Spider-Man because that's my dude. But, um, you know, I haven't seen any of that other shit. So I'm hoping one day to watch that whole series of shit. But I, I got to look at it one thing at a time. Because when I look at the thing, like I got to watch 10 movies or some shit, it's overwhelming and I want to just forget the whole thing. But, um, so yeah, that, uh, but, but the Deadpool movie was good, man. It, it was, uh, it was raw, it was funny, I mean, shit was, uh, shit was on point, um, fucking, so Saturday, 
Saturday is Tough Mudder. And I, you know, I switched last year. You know, I did Tough Mudder in, I think, October. Year before was October, September. Like, I've been doing this fucking Tough Mudder in cold months. Last year, it was the worst fucking race I had because the motherfucker was cold, um, you know, 50 something degrees, whatever the fuck, and, uh, and just like, breezy and tough mudder is a race that they just keep throwing you in the fucking mud and the water and they got that fucking they call it the arctic enema and and it's like a a fucking ice bath that's what it is it's it's water with fucking ice in it that you got to go into and then submerge and then come the fuck out and what happens is your whole body temperature drops and you can't get that shit back up especially with like a 50 degree with a fucking breeze and all of that shit. And then in the water and then out of the water, shit's fucking crazy, man. And, um, I don't like it. So I, I was like, fuck man, no more of this fucking September, October races this year. I'm doing fucking five races. I cut out the smaller ones. Really? I cut out, um, rugged maniac, which was a lot of fun. But it was just, you know, it was obstacle heavy, you know, as far as, you know, I had like, it's like a 5K. So it's only like three miles, but they got like 25 plus obstacles, maybe 30 obstacles in that, in that three miles, which is a lot of fun. But, you know, I, I already had planned to like do certain ones in certain months and the shit's costly. So I did the Rugged Maniac twice, a lot of fun, but again, on the smaller side of things, as far as challenging goes, um, I love obstacles. So that's, that's easy shit for me. Um, you know, tough obstacles, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, distance is where the fucking, the trouble comes in, you know, the, the, the difficulty. And, um, and then, uh, the other one I cut out, what was it? Um, last year I did fucking shit. Oh, I did a badass dash last year too, which was a one-time deal. Was I did it, whatever. But um, so you know, I planned my races. Said, all right, I'm going from April to July. I'm doing my Spartan trifecta, hitting the beast, the sprint, the super, hitting the. Um, I'm gonna do the battle frog extreme, which means I run as many laps as I can around the battle frog track, which is 8k. So instead of just doing the 8K Battle Frog, it's doing multiple laps of that same course with 20-something obstacles to its 8K and all of that. So that's going to be fucking intense, too. Um, That could be as long as I fucking want it to be. And, um, you know, my plan is shoot for three laps for sure. I want three laps. I could do more fine, but I don't know. Three laps is going to be pretty goddamn intense. And uh, because Battle Frog's no joke. It's a really well put together race. They really throw some serious challenge on you, just like Spartan races. They do the um, penalties for missed obstacles. If if you fail to you know do an obstacle, you got to do um, well. In the Spartan races, they do burpees. You know, you go down like push up, come up and jump. Um, in the Battle Frog, you do they call them like five count muscle bodybuilders or some shit. And that, like, you go down like a push-up, you split your legs apart, do your push-up, bring your legs back together, get up, go back down. You don't do the little hop thing, you know what I mean? So a little more leg movement or not with it, you know, whatever. So 
that that's your little penalty things there. So yeah, it's badass, man. So that's what I'm doing. And then uh, yeah, that that that's that's it. And then the tough mutter. This will be my fourth tough mutter. So I figure my tough mutters in May, good, fucking out of the water with this motherfucking cold weather, cold wet bullshit. Well, it's gonna be wet because you know whatever. But um, so what fucking happens, man? We get this extended fucking winter bullshit where. It's fucking 70 degrees one day, and it's 50 the next, and this and this. So, fucking 70% chance of motherfucking rain on this coming Saturday. And, and fucking 60 degrees. Motherfucker, man. So, I'm in for this bullshit, man. I'm going at it, and uh, I'm going to kill it, man. But, fuck, man, this is going to be a bitch. So, that that's what's going on with me for Saturday. And, um... Looking forward to it, but I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, you know I mean, so, but you know, what can I tell you? All right, you know, DJ will tell you though. Cause Jay, you're a full grown man, and I've noticed like through your social media, you've been in the gym, bro. I- I've seen it. You know, he's seen it. He's fucking seen it. <laughs> he knows what's up. You know, but um, you know, I I mean, what can you do? I uh. It's um, you know, some shit you can't train for, and it's one of those fucking things that that cold, that fucking distance. I think it's like twelve miles, something like that. Um, I know, you know, what I went through with that motherfucking beast, man. Seven miles on that course. This isn't gonna be quite that. So, um, at least I know I put in a big, big ass race to this. So my body should be as ready as it's gonna be for a long, long deal. Uh, you know, tough mother. They, they, you know, they go in their little distances to try to be creative and and uh, they they try to go another angle with a lot of shit. You know what I mean? They don't do penalties on the on the failed obstacles, but they uh, you know, they they try to incorporate heights and they, you know, those fucking shock wires and then ice water and shit. They really try to you know fuck with you on on a couple different levels. So. uh I'm ready for it though. We're we're gonna go at it. All right. So uh, let me see. What do we got? Uh, I gotta get a fucking CZW intro here. Uh, where the fuck? All right. There we go. Blood cry survive. Shaking your bones are breaking, yeah, yeah. Like tonight, she's lighting this crowd. We're gonna battle of this time. Ring fear, ring the war. We're gonna lay the law. Lay the law once again. Pay for war. CCW. We're not for not to live and die to live the fire. CCW. She wrestled a lot. A lot here and there, but it wasn't a lot. Yeah, so, um, all right, CZ fucking W, uh, let, let's get into it. And, you know, just, just a quick refresher, you know, before we get into this, there's going to be, um, you know, uh, an absolute murder or just uh, a, a fucking buzzsaw. I, I call her the Crimson Submission Machine. She has great involvement on this show, and, um, you know, just a. Uh, just a reminder. Jay, you're a full-grown man, and I've noticed, like, through your social media, you've been in the gym, bro. I- I've seen it. Like, 
Brittany mm-hmm. can tap you out. I can guarantee you she can. See what I'm saying? So just just for, you know, fair warning. All right. Um, so we get into the show. Show started on time. A fucking doubleheader, and they started that fucking night show right on the motherfucking money. Uh, surprising. Good shit there. Usually uh, they do those WSU shows, and you can guarantee a fucking half-hour-plus delay on the night show. So, um, you know, see, see, the motherfucking game is that close again. It's fucking 39. Oh, shit, fucking uh, 41-43 already. Oklahoma's no fucking joke, man. Um, so, anyway, um, this was the um, – all right, the, the, the start of the show was Tim Donts, up against Johnny Silver. This was kind of random to me. Uh, didn't make a whole shitload of sense as far as, you know, I mean, Johnny Silver's been away for a little bit. You know, they had the Beaver Boys gone. Um, and, you know, they they just kind of randomly brought him back in there and threw him at Tim Don. So, you know, I don't know. Any matches that don't involve Tim Don's in, like, a hardcore situation bores the fuck out of me. It just does. Uh, that's just Tim Don's. It's not like I, I'm only entertained by hardcore or deathmatch or anything like that. But as far as Tim Don's goes, I can count on one hand, like, the amount of matches that he's had that have entertained me and shit. And, like, honestly, I could I could straight up tell you him. The, um... The match he had with Joey Janela was fucking crazy. I love that match. Um, he came up looking like a killer in the match. Joey bumped all over the place. They did some cool chair spots. The shit really came together, and, and Dance really looked like a fucking, like a ruthless heel, you know what I mean? Like, he just looked like he was, he was fucking bullying Joey, you know what I mean? Um, the the final match that he had with, with Gacy at uh well it wasn't the final match because they won again at Texas or whatever but and I didn't see that one. But um the one that they had at Cage of Death. That one was good. They really went all out for that. I didn't I didn't like the rest of the matches that they had. Um but um that one that one I thought was good. Um his match with um with uh Danny Havoc, I thought that was good. Again, some hardcore elements in that. Uh, you know, just chair spots and stuff like that. That's enough where he really he really pulls it together. Like, this, this is a dude that, you know, he might be a technical wrestler and a heel and all of that stuff, but when it comes down to it, like, this dude doesn't bitch out on, on spots. Um, and, you know, that's something that I don't want to come off the wrong way in saying this type of thing, but it really does bother me. Um, and... The the where I'm not trying to go with this again, like I'm not a wrestler, I don't do this shit, and I, I'm not just saying, hey, go out there and everybody fucking die. I want I want the most pain out of you motherfuckers today. But like, all right, if you set up a ladder, and, and you guys are going for like a back body drop, your fucking goal should be landing slush on that fucking ladder, or don't do the fucking spot. That's my other option. Is not like fucking do it, fucking, uh, you know, every time, do the most hardcore shit possible. No, I'm saying, like, don't even fucking do it if you're not going to do it. Because a lot of times I see, and they'll do this shit with weapons and fucking TOD, guaranteed, they'll do this shit with fucking chairs, and I've seen it all the fucking time. And, and, you know, again, these dudes do some pretty hardcore shit, and they take some serious pain, all these fucking wrestlers, so... I'm not, you know, saying, like, oh, you're a bitch, but but you're bitching out on that spot, for sure. Like, I've seen 
many a fucking move where they're supposed to hit the fucking chair and, like, the dude's leg kind of clips that shit. When Tim Dons took the fucking spots on those fucking chairs, man, he went down the middle of those fucking chairs, flattened them. Same thing Joey did when he, he wrestled Dons. I mean, they, they hit those. There's botches, obviously, where, you know, you, you miss your your uh, your target or whatever. But there's a lot of other spots where it's like, dude, you had one way to fucking go. There's no way that you just missed that fucking chair by chance. And, and you know, sometimes you see dude, the same dudes do it like that shit every time. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I would just rather do it, do it all out or don't do it. You know what I mean? It just And my point with that is, is like I said, Dom's has landed flush on whatever the fuck he's he's going for. Dude takes that shit to the fucking fullest. No Beckham, although I don't know about that dude like that. But, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he really goes all out in the in the situations that he, he's going for. So that's that. But, again, this match didn't do shit for me. Um, I personally think, because I've heard a lot of people calling P.O.D. is going to be weak, P.O.D. is going to be weak. I think fucking RSP and, and Dons are going to murder it in the first round. I really do. If I'm wrong, let me be wrong. But I, I'll defend that fucking dude going into that match for, for that reason. Because I know he doesn't bitch out on shit. He goes all out in the things he's put into. Ricky's been absolutely killing it. And Dons, like I said, he doesn't half-ass things. At least not as far as the death matches go. As far as entertaining me on a regular match, yeah, it's just, you know, just not for me. Um... So there's that. Um, Dave Chris with, uh, you know, J.T. Davidson and the fucking um, the Crimson Submission Machine um, against David Starr. This was a good match, man. These guys have a lot of chemistry. You know, they had that 110-minute or whatever the fuck match in Ohio in uh, Rockstar Pro, I think. And, um, you know, they have chemistry, and they went in there and they tore it up. Um, you know, they had like a, you know, they had like a, a fucking ending to that match. It was not, you know, again, the Crimson Submission Machine, you know, came in and fucking uh, put that shit away. So, um, you know, that was that. You know, good pairing out of those two, and um, yeah, but um, you know, I mean, if you uh. It, if you if you think uh, you know Brittany Blake can't just end any fucking match, I, I I gotta tell you, I can guarantee you she can. Yeah, I mean, anytime you think your guy has that shit wrapped up, and you don't think that she can come in there and just change your motherfucking world, I can guarantee you she can. You know, if you go into work one day, and you don't think that a motherfucker can kill you out of nowhere. And if she's going to be, like, 95 pounds of red hair... I can guarantee you she can. I mean, seriously, like, if you, you're you walking down a one-way street the wrong way, and you see her on the other side of things, and you think shit can't go bad for you... I can guarantee uh, you she just, can. I mean, you know, she could change a whole lot of fucked up shit for you. Um, that's it, man. She could revolutionize the entire wrestling I world. I can guarantee you she can. You know? Straight up killer, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, next match. This this was some old bullshit right here. This is the type of time wasting garbage that I'm talking about. With with a lot of this fucking booking. Now the Gulags come out and they're supposed to be sharing their 
their uh, Secrets of Amazing, as they called it. Now, um, they they come out, and then uh, I guess they're called the Storm of Entrails. This is uh, the Schlack dude with the fucking tattoos on his face from the from the the band and uh Dan O'Hare who's another um Dojo War guy. And uh they're out there talking about uh the Slacks band eat the turnbuckles gonna be performing a tournament of death and um you know they're they're talking about the, like this this was pointless. I mean they're I guess it was to promote that they're gonna be playing a tournament of death. I I mean I guess that was the point of that. But then um, the Gulaks, are, you know, they're out there, and uh, Too Hot Steve Scott comes out, which um, I, I like Steve Scott. I think he's a good worker, and I, I like the um, I like the selfie gimmick too. I think you know it's goofy and shit, but it works. He's got it down. He's got it worked in the matches really well. Where you know there's there's entertaining shit that comes out of it and spots, and you know he gets himself in all sorts of fucking hijinks. Um, but then, you know, Alexander James shows up to be his fucking tag partner. Alexander James, to me, is horrible. It's fucking horrible. He was bad the first time he was in there. He was, you know, quote-unquote heel, but everybody legitimately didn't like the motherfucker, man. Like, nobody was entertained by the matches he put on. Nobody, man. Like, he feuded with Joe Gacy when he was here last time. No one gave a motherfuck about a single match that, that went on there. This is what I mean. Like, there's a difference between heel and and just disliked. And DJ is a dude that is disliked, not a heel. You know, he doesn't understand the difference. So when a guy like Alexander James gets the same type of reaction, it's not heel. It's disliked. He's not liked. You know? And and this is the same situation here. Um, Steve Scott, like I said, I, I I think he's great. And um, I, I think he could be worked into a lot of real fun situations, especially in CZW. Um, you know, imagine, like, if Nick Gage is out and they, they put together a match between the two of them and he's trying to take selfies and Gage is getting furious and trying to kill him, you know, or, or Masada. You know, Masada's trying to fucking rip his head off and he's trying to take selfies in the match and shit. You could really build, like, a real fun fucking entertaining match out of that because... The, you know, he, he's got his shit going on, and, you know, CZW's got some, some definite bad motherfuckers in there that could, you know, play the, the opposite side of the spectrum as far as, you know, a, a mismatch of, of uh, styles and personalities. And I think, personally, I think that's the way that that would work the best with him, um, you know, is to have somebody who's, you know, a killer on that side of things. Um, even, you know, I mean, shit. You know, we'll talk more about uh, Dickinson in a little bit, but you know Dickinson being back in CZW again. I don't know if it's a full time, whatever, but um, that's that's one of those dudes too. You know, you put him across from Steve Scott, they could tear it up in the fucking ring together, and then you know during it, Steve's gonna be trying to be you know goofy and flashy, and and Dickinson's trying to kill him, and you know it, it could work out really well as like a you know style clash or you know whatever you want to call that. So, you know, this was all right, but um, it just – it wasted a shitload of time initially and took away from anything that it was, you know, was going to be going into it. And then, like I said, Alexander James is, is just not he's, – he's not entertaining. Um, all right. Here we go. So, next up was the match that nobody – this 
a match a year in the making that nobody gave a fuck about a year ago or six months ago or two weeks ago or the fucking day it happened. This was Alex Cologne versus The Preacher in an I Quit match. Now, look, Preacher was only – Preacher was never over, ever. So Alex Cologne is supposed to be the major heel because he, he quote-unquote, broke Preacher's neck and wasn't sorry about it. When, you know, first off, in wrestling, you're supposed to be trying to hurt the other guy. So by storyline, like, you know, breaking down that fourth wall and being like, I didn't want to hurt him. That's, like, kind of crazy any fucking way. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, if you get to the – you know, the, the shoot version or whatever the fuck you want to call it of the story. Yeah, the one guy doesn't want to hurt the other guy. But if you're in, like, a, a match together and then you're going to go, well, I didn't want him to really get hurt even though I, you know, fucking spiked him off the apron and, and try to pile drive him and try to, I mean, that's, I think that's a little bit more fucking uh, revealing of the, the, the kayfabe type shit, you know, whatever. I just, you know, I'm not I'm not a kayfabe type guy, but I don't think that people should have love fest after the match, and I don't think that you should pretend as if you're not trying to hurt the other guy. I think you should be making it look as dangerous as possible. Again, like I said, I'm all for the fucking shit Dickinson and Kim did because it looked like he was trying to fucking kill her. The internet was fucking um, completely sold on it was super fucking dangerous, and meanwhile, she didn't get fucking hurt. So, fucking, that, that's a win as far as I'm concerned. If everything looks super safe in whoever's fucking eyes, well, I don't think that, that you're really reaching your goal. You know what I mean? I'm saying every fucking move out there is supposed to look like death, but fuck, man, that, that sure as hell the way you sell your offense is if it looks like death and doesn't fucking hurt anybody. So anyway, I don't think you should be putting out a, you know, not trying to hurt anybody for real, guy. Uh persona but either way preacher the only reason preacher got any bit of support is because the fans and you know you take away you know storyline and and you know wrestling and suspension of disbelief you take that all away and realistically the fans including myself doesn't want to see any one of these guys get fucking hurt i felt fucking bad i never gave a fuck about a single match that dude wrestled in his fucking life when i saw him wrestle that match and i saw the shit and when I saw him wrestle that match, it was like a six-man or eight-man or something, a four-man. I don't fucking know. I know it wasn't a memorable match, and I thought it was just a bunch of fucking students and Alex Colon was involved in it or whatever, you know. And um, when he got fucking hurt, I felt bad. Like, damn, you know, you, you know, I don't fucking know shit about this guy. But, you know, hey, man, I don't want to see people get hurt. Well, then I later find out that the motherfucker's like 45 years old. And then he's fucking, he's training students. So the dude botched a fucking bump, broke his own goddamn neck, and now he's teaching fucking kids how to be safe. So say what the fuck you want to say. Be as fucking professional as you want to be. Be offended by that shit if you fucking want to. But I don't want a motherfucker teaching me how to fucking take bumps if he can't take his own bump without breaking his Accidents happen, I understand that shit. But me personally, I wouldn't feel so fucking safe about that. Again, I'm not a wrestler. I don't give a fuck, so take it for what it is, you know what I mean? I'm a fan, and I'm just, uh, this this is my um, my view on the situation. But back to the wrestling side of things. 
This fucking guy comes out. Like I said, he was never fucking over. This dude's supposed to be a face because he got his fucking neck broken, but he wasn't over before. He got his neck broken. He's not over fucking now. So he comes out. No one gives a fuck about this. This is an I quit match. He's supposed to be all fucking mad. This dude comes out looking like the fucking 45-year-old man he is. He looks like this is this match had me cracking up. Dude looks like like a kid, like he was sitting on the couch reading the paper, ironically. Um, and the motherfucker, or, or, or like he was in the bathroom shaving and got to the point where he left the sideburns on his face. And then some kid ran up and hit his mailbox with a bat. You know what I mean? And he heard the sound and he came running out the fucking front door looking like that with a black wife beater, body shape looking like shit. You know what I mean? Just came fucking running out the door to defend his mailbox. You know what I mean? And that, that's what the motherfucker's entrance looks like. That's what, When that dude comes walking out looking angry, it looks like someone fucking stomped on his garden. Someone, some kid just ran through his flower garden. He's, he comes out off the couch, and that's what he's looking like. And ironically enough, dude has some kind of motherfucking papers hanging out of his back pocket. Like, he didn't plan on being there. Like, he was doing some other shit. Like, dude... <laughs> dude has shit in his pockets. This motherfucker came out there with a black wife beater on and shit hanging out of his pockets, man. Go back and look at the replay. You can see papers hanging out of his fucking pocket. What the fuck was he doing earlier in that day? What, was he? <laughs> what the fuck? You know what I mean? So this wasn't shit to me, man. It just it wasn't shit. Like, nobody gave a fuck. So you have this big, crazy, heated... No one gave a fuck, man. And then the match ends. With fucking Danny Havoc uh, um, attack fucking, uh, well, oh, no, no, no. He was, uh, first, yes. First, what happens is they do the thing where he, like, handcuffed fucking Preacher to the fucking uh, turnbuckle. And fucking, then he goes, like, like he's going to beat his wife up and shit. So Cologne goes, there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck her up. And then uh, fucking, you know, Preacher goes, okay, I quit. I quit. You know, like, that hasn't been done before. You know what I mean? And, I mean, you're lucky if, you're lucky Brittany Blake didn't come down there and fuck everybody up because, you know. I can guarantee you she can. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, any given moment. Especially motherfucker handcuffed to the to the guardrail. If you don't think she could strip that motherfucker down to his skeleton. I can then, guarantee you she can. Yeah. I mean, you know, on some real shit. So, um. I don't know, man. Like, so then, then you know, he, he he says he quits, and then and that's that. And then he's like, I don't know, I'm going to fuck her up anyway. Now he's going to hit her with the gimmick that, uh, you know, dude dude uh, broke his neck, you know, trying to take. And, uh, you know, then Danny Havoc comes out and shit. And, again, this is another one of those things. Danny Havoc versus Alex Cologne, first round, tournament of death. People, oh, the tournament's booked week this night. These two are going to fucking murder it in the first round of Tournament of Death. You watch. Those two fucking matches were swept on right off the fucking bat. And, and I'm telling you, those are going to be the two best first-round first matches. Best first-round matches. Um, the other two book first-round matches, well, you know, we'll get to that later. Cause it's, you know. um, next up is uh, Joe Gacy beating Greg Excellent. 
in a number one contender match for the CZW World Title. I I don't really understand this. I don't understand what the what the deal with this thing is because they were really building it like Craig Hesley was that fucking guy. Uh, you know, he deserved the title shot, and 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 you know, he was gonna do all these silly little shoot promos where he's gonna tell everybody. You know, how much people like him in the back and how he gave some guy a ride to the fucking store once and somebody used to sleep on his couch and everybody's friends and, you know, everybody respects him and all this stuff. And, and then, um, you know, he's there every month and other guys aren't. And they get title shots and this and this. And then, like, he beat Joe Casey and then they argued some more. And then he, Matt Tremont, like, couldn't get up after, like, getting hit with a barbed wire board once, even though he won, like, fucking two consecutive King of the Death matches in a tournament of death within two years span, you know. Um, but either way, so he takes him out, pretty much sets that shit up, like, yeah, it's going to be him and him, and then they fucking do another number one contenders match, and Joe Casey wins. So, again, storyline, I don't really know what the fuck. And like I've been saying, I really don't care about a Greg Axley Matt Tremont world title match. Uh, not at all. Not even the slightest bit. I, I don't even. I'm not. I'm not into it. Um, and you know that that's been the consensus too. Like I've asked online, and they're like, "Yeah, not so much." So like I like Greg, but you know that's that's the overall thought. Is like, yeah, man, I like Greg and shit, but like, why this? Like, or why you know, not so much with this. So um, so now. Joe Gacy is the number one contender. And, you know, this was better than their other match, for sure. Um, they definitely went all out as far as this goes. Um, you know, I, I thought this was a pretty good match. Again, the storyline to me is just kind of puzzling um, because it just – I don't really know who this is for. Like I said before, I don't think any fans are really clamoring. DJ seemed to think the fans are clamoring for Greg Excellent and – Matt Tremont or Joe Gacy and Matt Tremont or anything like that. Like, I don't know. Like, they've done uh, Gacy. They they feuded Gacy and Tremont for like a fucking year. That was when uh, when DJ said that um, after he feuded with fucking Tremont, he decided because uh, Tremont had a bad match with with Tommy Dreamer that, according to DJ in his fucking shoot interview. Matt Tremont's still green, so, you know, we're not ready to really push him yet. So, it was him and Joe Gacy for, like, a fucking year. And I didn't like those matches neither. And I like Gacy and I like Tremont. And I didn't I didn't really like those fucking matches. And another thing is, is Gacy had, had pretty much said that, like, he's done with Deathmatch. So, the world that he can get pushed into with Tremont is, is like a deathmatch type thing where Gacy already said, like, he's not into doing that shit anymore, which nothing against him. But, I mean, if you work some kind of program with Tremont, there's a chance it could lean into that area. And not necessarily. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to either because fucking, you know, G's had a good series of matches with him and there wasn't any, you know, light tube matches or anything like that. But I'm just saying – um. It just seems like they're putting a lot into this feud where I don't really see where the payoff is. And um, and then the Greg Excellent thing. They had an ultra-violent food fight at fucking Cage of Death that everybody was like, what the fuck are they doing with Matt Tremont? And that was the overall thought process. It was like, what the fuck is this? 
And DJ said, oh, we're trying to save Matt Tremont so, you know, his career lasts longer, which was immediately followed by him winning King of the Death match in fucking Indiana. So, you know, priorities have always been kind of crazy with that type of shit. But, uh, and of course, DJ doesn't book King of the Death match. But I'm just saying, as far as you trying to preserve his career, putting on, on a on a smaller match or, you know, a, a watered-down match or whatever you want to call it, um, a less hardcore, whatever. You want to put him on that to preserve his career, but if he's not on the same page of preserving his career, all you're doing is fucking yourself out of performance on your show. I mean, because I've, I've heard zero, like, r- r- you know, rants and raves about how awesome the fucking, um, y- you know, the, the ultraviolet food fight was, I, I, you know. So, I mean, again, what are we building to? We're building to something that no one's going to fucking say a whole lot about. And even if you pull out one and you fucking surprise everybody and you, you guys bust your ass and this and that, it's going to go away within six months. It's it's on to the next, man. This is not this is not the future of CZW is, is feuding any of, any of this pairing, man. Like, even, you know, they went into the whole hyping uh, Jonathan Gresham versus Tremont. Do that shit, man. Do that shit where you have the fucking technical guy that's hating on death matches and then the death match guy trying to fucking kill him. You know what I mean? And have him keep teasing fucking hardcore shit, but fucking uh, Gresham keeps outsmarting him. And, you know what I mean? Do that type of shit. That works for me. And I still think that they should have capitalized off a of moth being in the building and they could have pushed the fucking angle with, with, um, with TV ready, hyped the fucking May match, and they could have had a fucking one-on-one with fucking Moff and Tremont. How awesome would that have been? Yeah, I mean, like, they, they could have done that. They absolutely could have fucking done that. It wouldn't have took away from the fucking TV ready thing because he would have lost the world title match against fucking Tremont. You know? It, it just... I don't know. It, whatever. So, um... Gacy won. Uh, next up was Joey Janela, who was going to be fighting a representative of Leo Rush. Leo Rush was to be sending a representative to fight Joey. Joey, one of the biggest faces in the company, if not the biggest face in the company. Right? So what does DJ do? He books Leo Rush's Leo Rush, big fucking heel, just screwed Joey Janela out of fucking best of the best. First round, fucking took him out of best of the best, including himself, despite fucking Joey Janela, took this huge fucking face out of best of the best. Fucking super, super heated feud. Now I'm sending someone to fucking get you. Fucking heel, 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 heel. So who's DJ get? One of the most fucking over people in the past two years of fucking CZW and probably one of the only people who could have walked out that curtain that eclipsed how over fucking Joey is. Chris fucking Dickinson, man. And I'm not against this for the sake of the match, because the match was fucking awesome. And the fact that Chris is in CCW makes me as fucking happy as can be, because he belongs in fucking CCW. DJ dropped the ball on that shit last time. He could say, oh, because he blew up at fucking, you know, in Philly or whatever. There's more to it than that. Everybody knows there's more fucking to it than that. And, you know, it's been fucking talked about and danced around and this and that. And DJ talks this crazy shit that 
half the locker room wants to kick his ass. Like, dude, I want to win the fucking lottery. That doesn't mean it's going to fucking happen. So I don't know who half the fucking locker room that wants to beat him up is, but I, I don't think half of fucking CZW's locker room could beat up fucking Chris Dickinson. So, I, I mean, come on, man. Like, what are we even fucking talking about? That, that That's some dumb fucking shit. DJ's the only one saying it. You know, I know one other fucking guy who really, really has a fucking problem with Dickinson, and that's Masada. And if anybody else does, uh, you know, maybe they do. I don't know. But I, I don't see a lot happening out of, out of that situation that would benefit them. You know? I don't know. I, I think that's fucking crazy. And I think Dickinson is money. So when it comes down to fucking Dickinson and ZZW, make all the fucking sense in the world. Fucking have everybody fucking act like professionals. Book who the fuck you're booking. Make the fucking money. And everybody go home in separate fucking cars. They don't all have to fucking hang out. You're not organizing a fucking barbecue. You're trying to make fucking money. It's a business. Yeah, I mean, this, this is what it is. Oh, I can't have this in my locker room. I can't have that in my locker room. Why don't you fucking control your locker room and not allow this shit, no matter who's standing in it? I mean, because there's not a respect level. That's the fucking problem. You're letting Gabe run around in there, fucking hand out business cards. You're letting fucking guys fight over this or that. Fucking handle your shit, man. Get this motherfucking shit running right and and allow it to be a business. And nobody's got to be fucking friends. They don't, there doesn't need to be one fucking friend in that locker room. Book fucking people to wrestle matches to make your company money. That's it. I, I mean, I, I know I, I'm making it sound easier than it is. I'm sure it's a lot harder than that. But the, the fundamental of it is is just that. Run your shit as a fucking business. Book who you can book to fucking make money. That's it. And Dickinson is fucking money. So look, man. Again, it's silly as shit because the fucking crowd is shit dirty, daddy, and the guy is like supposed to be representing a big fucking heel. So as far as the angle went, it's absolutely a dumb idea. The dumbest fucking idea ever. Like, there's a mutual respect after the match and everything. He was supposed to be, like, hired to come fuck Joey up. You know what I mean? There's a mutual respect after the match, all of this shit. Like, hey, man, I am all for this fucking match happening. All for it. But by storyline, it, it's silly as fuck. But that's DJ. I mean, that, that's just fucking DJ. I say I don't give a fuck about your storylines bringing the fucking talent that matters. You know what I mean? And so, I, again, I'm all for it. But when we're talking about the storyline and stuff that was so important for him to have that shit happen at best of the best to draw attention to the thing, the next thing you did was kind of shit on that fucking storyline. So, it is what it is. Glad to see fucking Dickinson CZW. Him and Joey fucking absolutely murdered it out there. And, um, yeah, what else can I say? Um, Gresham, Devin Moore, um, this was good. Um, it was kind of slow and this is kind of, I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's due to the way Gresham works and Gresham's awesome, but you know, a heel working that, that break you down type of style can Put a match at a slow pace where it doesn't it doesn't quite bring the excitement that the match could bring. You know what I mean? Because that's part of his heel persona is to you know systematically break down his opponent and frustrate his opponent and keep his opponent at bay. So it makes perfect sense for them to work the match the way it was. 
So I, I could feel like from a viewer's standpoint, it wasn't like an amazing fucking fun match or anything like that, but it was a very well worked, very smart, you know, a smartly booked and worked match out of the two of them because, you know, it, it had Gresham frustrate his opponent and fucking debilitate him to the point where he tied his fucking shoelaces to the to the guardrail and, and got him grounded out. You know what I mean? Like, that, it was smart. You know, I, I liked it. And then uh, afterwards, uh, David Starr goes out and destroys Gresham's trophy. You know. Um, so I guess they're they're still uh, fighting. Uh, you know, I don't know. They, they had their finals and, and all of that. And um, Gresham, like I said, he called out Tremont. To me, it would have made more sense to have Tremont come out. You know what I mean? Like, fucking Tremont comes out there and destroys the dude's fucking thing. Like, hey, fuck you and your and your trophy. You want to call me out on my fucking death matches? Hey, fuck you. You know what I mean? Here's your fucking trophy, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Instead, it's the guy who he beat for the fucking trophy, and then I guess that sets up another match with him, which is fine. I mean, they'll tear it up, but, eh. You know, it is what it is. Um, David Starr also did um, help further show that the super kick is is a very uh, non-sold dead move in, in the Indies because uh, he super kicked the trophy, which only fell over. <laughs> it didn't break. It just fell over. So even the trophy no-sold the super kick. And then he picked it up and smashed it. But the, uh, the super kick itself was completely ineffective such as it is in many wrestling matches. Um, so so there you go with that. Um, uh, next up was, it was supposed to be the Dub Boys, Nation of Intoxication, EYFBO, and Scarlet and Graves. And um, last week on the On Point show, the um, Nate Carter and um, what was the fucking other dude? Jesus Christ, I just lost his fucking name on my brain. Um, David McCall. Dave McCall, he um he hurt his shoulder pretty good. Or bad, whatever you want. Yeah. He he fucked his shoulder up and um so we we kinda knew he was gonna be out of action. So going into this, uh Nate Carter comes out and you know, says, Yeah, you know, my partner got hurt, this and that and fucking out to replace his partner and substitute in the match is uh Mia Yim. Or Jade, depending on how you know her, which is great. You know, this is this is someone. See, this is a, this is the funny thing that they do a lot of times too. And you know, this this is another criticism I have, and I've had. Um, you know, they bring in Lefisto on WSU doubleheader shows. She's tremendously over in CZW. You find a fucking way to put her on that card because it means fucking something to CZW fans. She's in the fucking building. You know, half the time. Some of them maybe didn't leave yet. And they're fucking sitting at the vendor's table while fans are waiting to fucking see them return to the company. I mean, fans would love to see them walk through the fucking entrance. Instead, they're fucking just selling merch. You know what I mean? And, and of course, there's financial shit to be worked out or whatever the case is. But you know that there are those few women that will really fucking get over with the CZW crowd. They've done big things in CZW. And, and I mean, those women are clearly fucking... Um, medium and um, 
in Mephisto. And honestly, at this point, Kimberly, too, but I think there's big, uh, you know, issues with that, you know, happening. I think she'd be over like a motherfucker, too. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, there's only those few, you know, that to make that happen, I think, is a really smart deal, and, and it should have been done a lot fucking sooner. So, um... Uh, the strange part about this, this was a lot of fun, this match. This, this was a very entertaining match, and um, uh, they win this match. Nate Carter and uh, Jade, or Medium, whatever you want to call her, and uh, they win this match, which kind of confuses me, because unless she's coming back next month to tag with him, what's the point of putting them over if... Nation of Intoxication, EYFBO, and Scarlet Graves don't really gain anything from the situation. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's also kind of forgetting that at any given point, um, the Crimson Submission Machine could have came in there and just just fucking ended everybody's life. I can guarantee you she can. And uh, I think that's something people were forgetting. But, um, Either way, uh, you know, like I said, fun match. Just don't really know where they're going next with this. I, I like to see UIFBO get, like, a good, uh, you know, kind of push. Um, definitely want to see them square off against uh, the hit squad in in, in CZW. Um, you know, it could be very entertaining things to go on with UIFBO in, in CZW, especially, man. They get fucking Dickinson coming back on a regular basis, and you actually have legitimately Pazuzu in there. And, and you know, fucking square off those, uh, you know, those those big factions that you got going. You got uh, Nation of Intoxication versus Pazuzu, or fucking uh, Scarlet and Graves versus Pazuzu. But, you know, even that, man, you know, Scarlet and Graves, they they have that fucking X factor because if you think Pazuzu can't get brought to an end, you know, with the Crimson Assassin, I can uh, guarantee you she can. Yeah, uh, it's just you know, uh, what can you? Do? Um, next up was Matt Tremont retaining the world title against Danny Havoc. Now uh, this was all right. Um, it it wasn't really uh you know, what I've seen in the past. And this is, this is kind of, uh, this is kind of, you know, what was to be expected because when you put together two guys who have just absolutely murdered each other all over the place in the past, you know, they've had death matches all over the fucking place. And then you book them again and it's not going to be a death match. You got two of the best death match wrestlers in there. Not working a death match. And you could sit there and you could think in your mind, like, oh, I remember this time or that time that these two dudes did this or they did that. They fucking killed each other. And now they're just going to work a time down, you know, regular kind of match. It's not going to make the impact on the crowd that you might want it to. and, and again, that's that's kind of the uh, the downfall of of working the same match that you've booked many times before, because if um, you can't live up to the standards that you set yourself, then you should probably leave that match alone and maybe book something fresh. So um, yeah, it's you know it is what it is. Um, 
so that was that. And then after the match, fucking uh, uh, Jeff Cannonball comes out there and attacks fucking Tremont. And, um, you know, this is like CZW like nothing else, even though, you know, pretty much the same way that they fucking went at each other and on point. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I like Jeff Campbell as a dude. He seems like a really nice guy and everything like that. I'm not a fan of him as a wrestler. Um, I, I don't think he's that valuable. I really don't. Um, TOD is going to be his fucking chance to prove something different, but I've seen him in these type of matches, man. And, like, he's the type of guy he's willing to do shit. He's willing to get fucked up. He's not in great shape. And when it comes down to his mobility, it's, it's really fucking limited as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's a lot of, you know, willing to get hit with anything under the fucking sun, and you could swing a chair, or swing a tube, or swing a this, or swing a that, but when it comes down to him actually trying to pull off spots and stuff in the ring, it just, it comes off sloppy as fuck, man, like, I seen him in there with Connor Claxton and On Point, and, and shit was just all over the place, shit was just not coming together well at all. I, maybe I've just seen a couple, you know, bad instances where, um, you know, he, he didn't reach his full potential. Because I can't say that I've seen, you know, 20 matches of his. But from what I've seen, I think he tries more than he's capable of. And um, I don't know. I, I just haven't had a really good impression as far as his in-ring worth is. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm definitely not excited about him being in Dorna. And, and, you know, he's going to wrestle Tremont, which is something I've seen before. I saw them do the Taipei chair thing. And, again, it was exactly that. It was just fucking, you know, blunt force to the head, fucking insane fucking chair shots. But, like, not a lot else that I could really talk about that would be like, ah, you know, that that match really stood out for this or that or whatever. It just, it, it was what it was. So, um, it, they're going to go at it again. And uh, that, that's that. Um, next up, DJ comes out and starts doing his ridiculous little, uh, um, you know, promo, whatever you want to call it, segment. You know, he's out there and he's talking and he's saying, oh, yeah, we got a TV deal or whatever and, and something about TV. And then, uh, oh, yeah, I think it's like August. There's like a free show in the afternoon or some shit. And it's going to be taped for some kind of fucking sitcom or fucking TV. Not a sitcom, but you know what I mean. Fucking TV. And, uh, you know, the fans can come fucking, you know, for free. I don't know. And then he goes, oh, yeah. So, anyway, I pretty much says, like, now I got to be a heel. (laughs) And then he's like, you know, says, oh, fuck John Zandig, this and that. Then they hit the music, and he's like, oh, you guys are so stupid. And as soon as I, as soon as soon he said that shit, I was like, Zandig's fucking there. Holy shit. Sure enough, a minute later, Zandig's music hits, and Zandig comes out. Now he gets in the ring, and he's, you know, back and forth talking to DJ. See, the thing, the thing is this, and I said this from the fucking start. I don't want to see DJ feud with fucking anybody. I'm a John fucking Zandig guy. Everybody knows that shit. But, and I want to see John Zandig back. I want to see John Zandig tearing it up. And I want to see John Zandig's fucking mind put it fucking wrestling again. 
DJ Hyde owns DZW. I'm not 12. So as far as Zandig walking back in there, unless there's a portion of the company fucking sold back to him or unless he, uh, you know, he legitimately has hand in the final say of booking and how things are going to go, which will never fucking happen because it's DJ Hyde's company. DJ Hyde's fucking money is DJ Hyde's ego. It's all those things. So as far as like shit changing because Zandig walked through the fucking curtain, that that to me is not going to happen. So this is just to me another fucking DJ Hyde dick rub so he gets to fucking work the guy everyone's talking about, John fucking Zandig. God forbid John Zandig comes in there and has a program with anybody but fucking DJ. Nobody wants to see fucking DJ wrestle. Nobody, period. And you might be able to fool some fucking simple-minded fans to be like, I want John to beat the shit out of DJ. But realistically, it's just more, I worked John Zandig in DJ Hyde's fucking resume. That's all it is. That's all the fuck it is. And, you know, John's out there saying some true shit. But this is what I mean. Like, what is to be gained from this? John goes out there and he's telling him, you know, oh, why don't you stop flying yourself to fucking Japan? Why don't you stop flying yourself here? Where's your fucking, you know, where where's your relationship with Japan at after you fucking flew yourself over all these times? Uh, hey, why don't you stop fucking wrestling? Why, you know, why don't you just go in the back and make the fucking phone calls and, and, and allow other people to do what they do out here rather than trying to put yourself over and wrestle and this and that, which is all true shit. But the result of that is going to be, John Zandig fighting DJ Hyde in the ring. So it's like, you know what I mean? One step forward, two steps back, where it's effectively giving DJ Hyde more time in the ring and more time on the mic and more of this and more of that in order to interact with John Zandig, who's telling him to stop being in the ring and stop being on the mic and all that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I would have to be mentally fucking retarded to look at this and go, this is fucking completely awesome from top to bottom because now DJ is going to fucking talk for half this segment. And it went on and on and on. And again, nothing is going to be fixed. John could go out there and point out every fucking thing DJ is doing wrong, but it's not going to change a fucking thing that's going on in that company. It's that, you know, so the end of this is, he says, you know, hey, uh, fucking, I, I'll fucking, I'll show up at your fucking grandma's backyard at Tournament of Death if you don't get this shit right. You know, if you don't get this shit together, I'll fucking come over there and fucking kill you. And DJ goes, you show up there, I'll fucking end you. Okay, so you're thinking, man, like, this might turn into a Tournament of Death, you know, non-tournament match. And, you know. DJ took himself out of Tournament of Death to give Jeff Cannonball his spot and blah, blah, blah. And then it says, you owe me, which I'm sure is going to be a fantastic storyline when the other side of you owe me happens. It's it's going to be great, another DJ Hyde involved storyline. Um, so then fucking uh, you're like, hey, yeah, it might, might be a John Zandig fucking DJ Hyde non, non-tournament match or whatever. Well, not a week later, DJ Hyde books himself against fucking Josh Crane, returning to, you know, his grandma's backyard or his parents' backyard, uh, Josh Crane in a non-tournament match. So that this, this tells me this. This is going to be a run-in by John Zandig. This is going to be, you know, some kind of brawl, some kind of whatever, but it's not going to be a straight-up match. 
which is going to draw this out to most likely, I would say most likely Cage of Death. Maybe Tangled Web and Cage of Death, but it's definitely going to be drawn out to Cage of Death as far as I'm concerned. Which just means more DJ, more DJ, more DJ, all the way to fucking Cage of Death. So, I'm not super excited about it. I'm happy to see fucking John Zandig, but I want to see Zandig doing what Zandig does, not giving fucking DJ a rub for all this fucking time, which is what's going to end up fucking happening. Um, You know, I, I just... I don't know. It, it, it's a very bittersweet situation because, you know, it's just I don't want to see fucking DJ in the ring way more than I want to see anybody in the ring. Like, if it's like, well, DJ is going to have a segment on every show and DJ is going to be in the ring every show, you know, but you get to see that guy. You're like, well, can we take that guy away? and then not have DJ in the fucking segment, because that would be an even trade. And no matter who that other guy is, it's not like just the John Zandig thing. Like, you know, DJ put himself in the fucking main, not not the main event, but he put himself in the, uh, in a match with Chris Dickinson at Cage of Death. And then before that match even happened, bailed on even giving a fuck about the match and went on podcast talking about, well, I'm stepping away from the ring, so I'm not really putting a lot into building this match. But he took away Chris Dickinson's spot by fucking putting himself on that shit. Just because he wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I mean. Like, I would rather Dickinson wasn't booked on the fucking show than booked against DJ. That That's that's the fucking bittersweet. That's the fucking exchange that I wind up with when he books himself on shit. Because I don't give a fuck, man. I'm not, I'm not at the point of my mentality doesn't work where I want to see that guy get beat up because I don't like him. That's not, that's not what's going on here. I understand that it's not real. And, and I, and I want to see him not wrestle because I don't like him. That That's what I, it's not a heel thing. It's a really don't like the motherfucker in the ring. I really don't like him on the fucking mic. So I don't want to see him do any of those fucking things. Like I'm not going to, He's not going to get the mic, and I'm going to start going, shut the fuck up. No, no. That's your fucking heel heat. I'm not doing it. It's not doing it. And, then, you know, some of the fans do that because they don't like him, and then he just takes it as, oh, see my heel heat? Like, it's it's retarded, man. It, it's just, so like I said, it, it's fucking bittersweet, and uh, that that's the way I see things going as far as all that. Um, main event, Hit Squad versus TV Ready. And the Hit Squad become the new CZW Tag Champs. Match was really good. Uh, you know, back and forth action. Fucking, you know, a lot of good shit. At some point or another, uh, Monster Max went to the top rope one too many times and botched the spot. Um, I don't think that was very necessary. Whatever, whatever he's going for there. Um, you know, I mean, no need to have the BAR Fox and shit, man. The Hit Squad got their own shit. You don't have to try to do fucking silly little stuff off the ropes. You know, you do your splash, you do whatever you do there, but, like, how many fucking times do you, you know, need to climb the ropes as the hit squad? You you could probably just fucking crush people on the ground the way you've always done, you know? Like, I don't know. It, it's nitpicking, but, you know, the botch did look like shit. 
But um, beyond that, the match is really good. I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, the Hit Squad of Tag Champs is pretty cool um, in CZW, too. I mean, that, that's some shit that you never thought you'd see. Um, so, you know, pretty good shit. And um, like I said, looking forward to seeing what they do with them in the future, you know, who they match up with what, and, uh, you know, where they go with uh, TV Ready from here, too. Because they were tearing it up as Tag Champs. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, they get... Some kind of angles going with all this, man. Because coming out of tournament of death, I don't really know what the fuck they got planned. What do they got lined up, actually? You know. And uh, if a big part of that is DJ building a John Zandig feud, oh, fuck. I mean, you still got the Joey Leo thing. You got whatever the fuck is going on with Greg Eklund, Joe Gacy, and Tremont. Somewhere down there, you got a Tremont and. Uh, Gresham thing going. Um, I said I, I really hope that they work something in there with Dickinson and, and get him on a regular basis because uh, dude is fucking money. He's crushing it everywhere, and uh, it's, it's not one of these fucking take it or leave it guys. A couple guys in the locker room don't like him. What the fuck out of here? Control your fucking locker room. So I don't know. That's CCW, though. That That's what it... And look, I, you know, I have my criticism because I do think a lot of the booking is fucking stupid. I really do. Uh, the matches were fucking pretty awesome in this, in this show. Overall, I'd have to say that this is a great fucking show. Really do. Because there's way more positives than there are negatives. Um, a lot of the booking and the storylines just lead to fucking nothing. Where DJ thinks, so, wait till you see where it goes. It goes nowhere. Every time he thinks it's some genius fucking story that you have to let build, when he's finished building, it's a motherfucking, you know, ever see when the fucking, when Homer Simpson tried to build a fucking doghouse, that, that's, that's what the fuck it is. Like, oh, wait till you see when I'm done building. And, and that's what it is. Or was it a birdhouse? I don't know. But that, that's what it is. You know, when he fucking launched it, he ended up selling it as art because he ended up with, like, a fucking umbrella stuck in it and all sorts of shit, like a pile of cement. That That's what it is when DJ finishes building something. It's not it's not something that pans out and you just have to trust me because I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. Storylines are fucking garbage. So <clears throat> I hope you hired someone who has some kind of long-term plans that pan out. And, you know, if there is a little bit of dip or a little bit of suspense, it pays off for motherfuckers that are like, oh, now I fucking get it. Look at that shit. That was a great idea. But you don't you don't get much out of that as DJ, so it is what it is. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, I think that's, that's about it. Um, I'm finished watching this game. Golden State seemed to really turn it up, and they're putting it on the fucking uh, the thunder now. I saw Terry was just fucking launching threes in there. I think he scored like 13 points in the third quarter or some shit last I saw. Last graphic I saw pop up on the screen. Um, but yeah, man, they, they beat him by like plus 21 points. Uh, 20, yeah, 21 points. And um, so, yeah, man. But, uh, you know, I'll be back next Wednesday. Some more shit to talk about. Uh, the WWE pay-per-views on Sunday too, and uh, so I have a race to talk about. I'll talk about some of the WWE pay-per-view. Got to figure out guest-wise. I don't have anything lined up just yet, but you know, 
we'll see how it goes. I've been doing my thing. So um, check out um, my dudes over there at the Sports Den. Sure, talking all this NBA stuff and uh, and all of that, man. And um, yeah, they, they, I'm sure they're, they're covering quite a bit. Between the NBA and uh, baseball's going on, and uh, I think fucking hockey's still happening, right, kid? Fucking hockey. Fuck out of here. Um, bunch of shit. And um, yeah, so check them out. They're they're always going into depth about all sorts of different shit. Um, and then, uh, what else? Uh, oh, check out the Hot Tag Podcast. I fucked them dudes. They, uh, they're doing their thing over there, man. I think they're doing, like, fucking three shows a week. Some kind of crazy shit like this. It's a fucking money's worth, you know? I don't know what the fuck they pay for their service. I know my shit's expensive as fuck, so. If you could pull off doing fucking three shows, get your motherfucking money's worth, and, you know, get your fucking... Get your name out there, do whatever the fuck, man. How about it? They do like a like a regular deal, and then like another one where they they pick some kind of topic, and then I think there's another one they talk movies or some shit. So yeah, check those fucking dudes out, man. So uh, that's about it. Uh, check your motherfuckers out next week. Please. This is John Sandy, and you're listening to Yakuza Kit Radio. Jesus. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. What I make you good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. So say good night to the back guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.